Whew, that was terrible. Pacers destroyed by the Celtics. They lose by 50 without Tyrese Halliburton. What happened? What went wrong? Can they fix it? Plus other thoughts about the Pacers season with Zach Christ. It's all coming today on the Locked On Pacers podcast. You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Thursday, everybody, and welcome into another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers. As always, my name is Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and SI, and today, whew, oof, uh, oof. Uh, the Celtics made 15 more threes than the Pacers. They made more than 20 more free throws. They defended better. They were better. We knew that. Tyrus Halbert didn't play. The Celtics were going to win. We all kind of knew that. They boat raced the Pacers. They win by 50. What the heck went wrong? The Pacers didn't even turn it over that much, but they couldn't make anything. They couldn't stop anything. Embarrassing performance. Rick Carlisle said it after the game. What happened? We'll break it all down with Jack Chris today. Plus, lots more thoughts, including Jairus Walker's bright spot in the fourth quarter. More thoughts on the Pacers season. How Jack takes notes. I promise it's interesting. And plenty more on the Pacers. It's all coming today. I'm locked on Pacers. Let's get right to it. The most interesting man in media is here. I I won't say his name. I'll say his screen name. It's Jacques, like sounds like Shaq. So Jacques is more accurate yeah. covering the Pacers for Nouveau. I was hoping we'd have a little bit more, uh, at least kind of interesting of a game to talk about. Definitely didn't expect the Pacers to win when Tyrese Halliburton was announced as out, but uh, that was an ugly one. That was uh, That was an ugly game. Yeah, it's good to be here, but that was uh, a terrible game pre uh, pre game here. So that was tough. But I uh, did predict the Pacers to win. So oh. oh, yeah, I was only eighty points off. So that was good. <laughs> eighty point? Did you you thought they'd win by thirty? Yeah, in my humble and unbiased opinion. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, some people just clicked out a different podcast immediately for that one. So <laughs> no, how do you say how do? You, is it? It rhymes with Shaq, right? You say it yeah, like it's Shaq with a J, because like Jack and right. Shaq rhyme. I always it's, say it like French, like Jacques. Yeah, I just don't correct the French one. I let that one slide. That's okay. <laughs> uh, Jack covers the Pacers for Nouveau, and we were going to talk about the Celtics game, and then a little bit on the Pacers season. We're going to change that balance a little bit because, I mean, this was just brutal. <laughs> okay, so. So let's talk about everything that went wrong for the Pacers because there was a couple things that we'll talk about at the end that were like, okay, or like you can smile about if you're Rick Carlisle. Okay, Tyrese Halburn didn't play. That sucks. They're going to win. They went, what were they, 7 and 19 last year when he didn't play? Like, I don't expect much from them in those instances. They went 5 of 37 from deep. This is one game after I said they went uh, 12 for 46. I said, eh, they won't shoot that bad <laughs> much this season. About a way worse immediately. Yeah. The Pacers took more threes than the Celtics and made 15 fewer. That's insane. Yeah. I did the, I had to break it down every like four, the Celtics hit, we hit one. It was <laughs> like a terrible ratio. We we're just not getting anything from there and we couldn't stop them at all. Oh, but wait, but wait, the Celtics attempted 28 free throws on 20 Pacers fouls. Another one of their problems. Uh, they made 27 of them. The Pacers made seven free throws the whole game. They attempted 12. Uh, pro- that's a problem too. Pro- problem three, uh, no Tyrese Halbert meant no very little ball movement for the Pacers. Their highest assists man had five in this game. So everything the Pacers had kind of done well when they were clicking this season, shoot, getting open threes, 
moving the ball well, uh, th those kind of things gone, right? And then their defensive issues, which they've had this season, were even more magnified because they were playing in transition so much. And the Celtics have probably the best top six in the NBA. They barely even had to play Al Horford. Al Horford played 11 minutes, and the Celtics just were, were unstoppable, right? Bruce Brown had the Tatum assignment. He was too short for it. He can't guard wings that are that big that well. Jalen Brown shot under 50% from the field, but he was still cooking when he needed to. Porzingis is a tough matchup for Turner. He didn't even shoot that well, and he was a plus 27. Drew Holiday was too strong for everybody. I don't think Derek White missed a shot. I don't actually believe that he was 7 for 10 like the stat line says. Like They had no answer for anybody. And it, it like I know that they're not a good defensive team, and they're trying new things, but that was a very alarming performance for them on that end of the floor. Yeah. I mean, they didn't have an answer for Sam Hauser. Like that was just <laughs> everything he shot went into. It was just like, it felt like one of those days where it was just like, you know, so bad. I mean, looking at the plus minus, it's just brutal. I don't think there's a single plus for the Pacers. Sam Hauser was one made basket away from beating every Pacer in points. Jesus. <laughs> he could not miss. His form is so funky, but Tyrese Halbert taught me not to worry about that as a as a thing for players. Yeah, the, the Celtics couldn't miss, and they were generating basically whatever look they wanted. And yeah, they only had one more assist than the Pacers, right? This wasn't a thing where like they were like coming down the floor and running some complicated thing, and the Pacers got lost in rotation, and it was like a good shot. It was just like, throw it to Tatum. He isolates his defender. He scores. Pick and pop. Porzingis is open. He, like It was just so easy for them all night in a way that was like, if, if they played this game 100 times with the same players... I think the Celtics would have won like 99. They were that much better at every facet of the game. It's it, I, I have no good takeaways for, for the Pacers. They just got their butt kicked in a way that was alarming to me, right? Yeah. A, a game like this, like I, I know how reliant the Pacers are on Halberton, right? The second he got hurt last year, they lost seven in a row. Like I said, seven and 19 without him last year. I know that. But the hope is that this year you find some answers of success mm -hmm. when he's not on the floor, whether that's they can – slow the game down and play well, or they could defend a little bit better. They can generate some other open shots and that wasn't there. And then the other advantage they were expected to have, or at least I thought they would have is their bench would kick butt because the Celtics have a great top six and nothing else. Their bench did not kick butt at all, even though TJ McConnell had a pretty nice game. So they, they had, I mean, it, they had nothing. It, it was like, it was like a JV team versus a varsity team. It was unbelievable. Yeah. I was, I guess there was like one highlighted part I liked. There was like a three play stretch where Jarris Walker was involved like heavily with scoring or assisting. Oh, we'll get to him. We will and get I think to him. that was about it of what I liked. Um, I don't know. I think missing Tyrese really hurt, but also missing Jalen Smith kind of gave us like no backbone for a bench. Um, I think those guys were both dearly missed. That is true. Uh, yes, Jalen Smith was also out. Isaiah Jackson, I actually thought, defended pretty well. <laughs> he had four blocks and three rebounds and made 60% of his shots and switched on to Peyton Pritchard a few times productively. But he's not; he just can't space on offense like Jalen has been this season and is not nearly the screen setter Jalen has been this season. So, yeah, they couldn't get the same looks like. It's, it's almost hard to talk about this game because of how bad they are. Like every little thing you could point to about the Pacers that they've done this season well or that they're hoping to do better this season, they did awful. They got completely embarrassed. It's the first thing where Carlisle said in his pressure was it was embarrassing. Like, Matherin played okay, I guess. He hit over half his shots and wasn't, like, letting guys buy him on defense. I, I, I would guess people asked a lot about this after the game, at least. 
uh, he, he had an injury. Everybody's like, why do you only play 15 minutes? I'm like, he was hurt. Like, why, why would he play a lot? Um, that's a guess, though. I don't know that. That was None kind of starters. what I was assuming as well. Obi's the only starter who played more than 21 minutes, and it's because he was in in the fourth quarter. And he actually was okay as well, but okay on offense. Everybody sucked on defense. Like, this was miserable. This is a game where you where you go back and you watch the film like three times as a team, right? I know every fan will just try to flush it and forget about it, but the team's got to like dig through everything and say, we have to fix this, we have to fix this, we have to fix that. You've got to be better at this, you've got to be better at that. Like, it's got to be like those Nuggets playoff sessions where they tell everybody they have to roast somebody else and like something they did in the game. Call them out. <laughs> yeah, it poked a ton of holes. So there's a, t- a, a lot of stuff to work on at least. Um, Bruce Brown is somebody I kind of want to talk about from this game and he's kind of like the face of their struggles in this game to me. Not that he, uh, like, I don't think he's a Jason Tatum stopper. Nobody really is. I don't think of him as that he's too short. Um, but he was kind of like, if the Pacers were going to be better to me, they're, they're basically their rotation is very similar to last year with Brown and Toppin in there. If they're going to be a lot better, it was because Bruce Brown's like this huge elevator. And when he goes one for six with one assist, and can't stop his primary matchup, like then he's not doing that, right? So then they're kind of like the same young team they were last year, and you don't have Halbert, and that just can't work. So he had a really rough game, and this was kind of the game that like exposed the limitations he has as a ceiling raiser. Of course, he pairs very well with Halbert, and that's part of the appeal and part of what makes him good. But when he can't play with Tyrese Halbert, instead he's playing with Nemhard, who was okay, but he he was inaccurate. That then he can't be that level of guy. He's not going to pull your floor up that much. And so even though, yes, I think he's a good player, he's going to help this team, the, a game like this is not where he's going to do that. And he did not play well, and he kind of represented all the stuff that went wrong for the Pacers. He missed all of his threes, and he couldn't stop the guy he was tasked with guarding. Yeah. I don't know. We need, like, a number two guy, like a definitive guy. And, like, the hope would be that Bruce Brown would, like, step up and we'd kind of, like, play around him. So, like, a plan B – Maybe a plan BB for Bruce Brown as the guy would be like the move here. But it just feels like there is like a need for someone to fill that major hole where Tyrese is not there. And maybe two guys because it's so like he does so much. But like there's just no one really like taking command of the team out today. Hey, everybody have to talk to you about the great people over at Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's prize picks. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including the pros and the sharks, you just pick more than or less than on two to six players and stat projections. Watch the winnings roll in. With the basketball season here, you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from their specials league, a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports. For example, LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three pointers made plus receptions or play alongside some of prize picks, favorite players like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz. You can now find community plays under their promos tab of the app. View entries from some of the biggest names in the prize pick community each week. They even offer a reboot policy. So your entries stay in play. Even if one of your players gets injured for football and basketball games, you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return. Rebooted Price Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. It's an absolute blast. They have quick withdrawals, easy gameplay. Check it out at prizepicks.com slash lockdown NBA and use the code lockdown NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Go to prizepicks.com slash lockdown NBA. Use the code lockdown NBA. First deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks daily fantasy sports made easy. To me, the, the hope would be that it's Matherin, right? Like, because mm. he can size guys up and score. And, like, he made some quick decisions with the ball in this game. He made a great 
post entry pass read to Miles Turner. Miles didn't score, so he had no assists. But like, like he didn't, he didn't, <laughs> he couldn't do enough in this game. Again, I have no idea what the injury yeah. limited him. So they they had nobody to be that guy. They tried Nemhard, and at first I was they were up six to four, and they were like flying up and down. I was like, hey, all right, yeah, that did not last. So no. This was an epic butt kicking. Like everybody's got to look in the mirror. Coaching staff didn't have them prepared. Uh, I bet Rick Carlisle says this game's on me. I, I haven't heard his whole presser yet, but I almost guarantee he says that. Um, they've got they've got to shoot better. Every single player has to shoot better. Only one guy made more than one three. Do you know who it was? Um, don't look, yeah. Don't look, don't look. Look at me. I already, I'm looking. I already looked, but. I'll give you a hint. It's a rookie. <laughs> ben Shepard, <laughs> the only guy who made more than one three in this game. They made five of 37. I would love to know that. Did I say that already? Like, when's the last time in NBA history the team that took more threes made 15 less than the other team? Like, that is insane to me. No, that has to be a one-off. A score no me. never happened before. <laughs> I mean, that is, that is, like, even, like, obviously the Pacers played bad. But that is like a luck element, right? Like that's, yeah. that's insane. <laughs> that's completely insane. Um, the Pacers got got wrecked. Their defense was terrible. Their offense was terrible. They have to regroup and be better. But there was a bright spot, actually two, that I want to talk about, Jack. One, you mentioned him, one, Jarris Walker. People were clamoring for him to get in pretty much in the second quarter. This game was decided pretty early. Um, he played the whole fourth, 12 minutes, four for six. He scored right away. Two rebounds. Most importantly for me, three assists. Good ball movement. Short roll pass to Obi for an assist as the five. Jerris Walker played the five. That's something interesting if you're the Pacers. Made a pull-up jumper off the dribble uh, after a stinky opener for him where he was 0 for 5. He looked really solid in this game in a way that was very promising, even though the team still got their butt kicked because the Celtics were on fire uh, in that fourth quarter. But Jerris Walker, definitely the biggest takeaway from this one. And again, I continue to wonder... Can the Pacers find like real minutes for him? Ben Shepard was in the rotation during this game. George Walker wasn't, but he looked very good. Yeah. I mean, I'd be more concerned about his minutes if Carlisle wasn't the coach, but like we see how he works with rookies and makes him earn it. Last year, you know, he did get Nemhard a lot and Mathern a lot. So hope that there is minutes out there for him. But like, I don't know if the defense is so bad on the starting lineup, like, I don't know, maybe give him a shot. For some more minutes with the with the starting unit there. Token yeah, like, starter, play the first six minutes of a half, never play again the whole half. Yeah. I don't know. There's so much there's such small sample size. It'd be nice to get some data on him. Uh to see how he plays. Yeah, it's like I wondered if they would turn to a rookie with Halbert out. The answer was Shepard. Um also one of Walker's assists and assists to a Ben Shepard three. Uh, then you got to play the gif of Squidward yelling future in the Krusty Krab. Right? <laughs> that, it was a nice play. Uh, Shepard played all right. He had 14 and a half minutes in this game. Like they actually turned to him for something serious in this one. But he, his defense was rough. Three fouls for Ben Shepard in under 15 minutes, right? Like there were a lot of, of it, everybody who played in the rotation stunk, right? <laughs> I, I don't yeah. know how to rehash that. But J- Jairus's minutes were, were good. Like the whole time, I was like half writing my game story, half paying attention to the third quarter. When Jairus came in, I was like, I'm watching this guy, just him, this whole fourth, get a good eval on what he's doing and, and how he's fitting in. And especially compared to his opener, he looked really jittery and couldn't make anything. He actually looked good in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one-off thing, since you thought the threes thing might have never happened before. Do you think this has ever happened in NBA history before? A team loses by 51 and has less than 10 turnovers. Um, I'm going to say it's happened three times. <laughs> <laughs> I have, I don't have stat head anymore because it costs money now, but I oh. mean, 
that I want to look that one up too. Like that, yeah. they actually took care of the ball. Like they tried to get good looks. They made none of them. It's kind of <laughs> wild. They didn't need to get more than 10 turnovers to score 155 <laughs> on us. <laughs> it took 101 shots. Like that's Jeez. all right. <laughs> that's okay. So that means from two point range, the Pacers were 41 for, I can't do math fast enough, 41 for 64. That's all right. It's not great. It's all right. That might be yeah. their highest of the season <laughs> from two. So, yeah. okay, they did well inside the arc. They never turned it over, and they never made a three, and they never got fouled. That is nice. uh, not if a this game was in the 50s, they would have won that one for <laughs> sure. <laughs> this game was before Steph Curry was in the NBA. They would have won it. That could have been in the early 2010s. Yeah, it was, it was so ugly that I, like, I don't even know what to say. They were so bad. Um, it, it's like it's not even worth going through, like, they have to be better at this. They have to be better at that. They have to be better at everything. Mm. Everything that happened in the competitive portion of the game, the Celtics, were significantly better. And if Tyrese Halburn had played instead of losing by 50, they would have lost by 28, right? Like, they were that bad. Yeah. Well, at least the games that Bali isn't showing are the ones that people <laughs> don't want to watch. So that's good. The Bali curse. Can we coin it that? Yeah, it might have to be the Bali curse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, uh, for everybody who's been affected by that, I'm so sorry. That, that, oh, gosh. That absolutely blows. It is brutal. I hope everyone sticks with the Pacers. Early in the season, too, just such... Such tough timing. Yeah. Let's see what happens to the RSNs for the league. Jack, I have other stuff I want to talk about with this Pacers season so far. Sitting at two and two, one win I did not expect, one loss I did not expect, given my early season predictions, and one complete blowout that has everybody reevaluating what this team could be. But a nice little cushiony next four games coming up. Cleveland, they already beat. Charlotte stinks. San Antonio stinks. Utah's, man, Utah had a nice. Uh, they're kicking Grizzlies butt right now. I don't know what the score is as we speak, but last time I checked, they were up by like 35. Um, every, if you had told me before today, by the way, to predict every NBA score, I might have gotten every game except the Pacers game wrong. It's been a weird night in the league. Anyway, I want to talk a little bit about the Pacers season so far. We're four games in. We've seen their best and their worst play. But first, I had to ask you something that I think people will think is interesting. Everybody on Media Row takes notes, stuff they want to ask about, stuff they want to write about. Uh, Jack which rhymes with Shaq, and I keep saying it wrong, draws notes. Like, I believe, I, I remember I sat next to you for a game, and Lan it was when Lance was on the team, and he had a sweet assist, and you drew the play. Like, yeah. like when did you start doing that? How does that help you remember stuff? Um, I chicken peck. Like, I'm such a bad typer. Like, so I don't really like to type at all. And I've always been, like, a doodler in my notes at school. So it just kind of makes sense, and it keeps me, like, engaged and focused. Uh, I might be slow on a play or something because I'm drawing like the <laughs> play before, um, but that's usually like the defensive end, and there's not a ton to draw. But I think it kind of keeps me like focused. And then when I go look back at it, it all makes sense to me like one big like treasure map of the game. Um, so you like if you see in your notes a play you drew, do you immediately remember it? Um, like kind of. Remember? There are also like context clues because like the pattern that I write in kind of flows. It's not always the same. Like sometimes I'll start in the middle and then build out like counterclockwise or go like a page. Uh, but it keeps me uh, like involved with the game and keeps my ADHD on the line. Do you save all of them? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I got a, I got a nice uh, laptop that I can draw on. So it just is in the white, the whiteboard app. What, what is, uh, is the notes from this game? Just like the, the pirates dead skull symbol. Uh, yeah, I gave up on the notes pretty early on this one. There isn't a lot to do. It would have been a lot of green. 
lot of oh you use team colors too yeah very visual i like the colors and I everything knew you colors. Yeah. i think that's so interesting i i forget when i learned this like in my life but i learned that if you like write in all capital letters like when you're actually writing stuff down that helps you remember stuff because you like oh, nice. it takes you it takes you longer to do it i used to do that when i took notes in school i don't even write anymore i just type yeah stuff. but yeah. so I, I i think there is something to like your non-standard way of writing or typing in terms of like memory and retention. Yeah. It's definitely like a, a different kind of stimulus. So it's like, I'm always on my keyboard, like writing and typing. So like it logs it differently in my brain when I'm like at the game. I would love to try it, but like it would be <laughs> stick figures. <laughs> I, oh, well, you would have to post that after. That would be so funny. <laughs> well, I want to see yours now that you tell me you keep them all. Oh yeah. I'll have to break out a few for the next one. <laughs> It's very cool. You can tell the Pacers lost by 50 when less than 20 minutes in we're talking about how we take notes for games. So something interesting about this this Pacers team to be has been how much they've been taken out of their style this season, right? Like they beat the Cavs even though they got slowed down. But I wrote about this. I didn't get too much time published before this Celtics game started. But like the Cavs in that fourth quarter before Hal Burton wanted to kill that heckler, like the Cavs were slowing the game down and the, the lead went from seven to four to five to two. Like it was almost Cavs time until they held them off. The whole Bulls game was the Bulls speed. This whole Celtics game, granted, Halbert didn't play and he's a big part of this. In fact, when I asked Bruce Brown, how did the Pacers play faster? He said, give the ball to Tyrese Halbert. <laughs> you were there for that one. right? Yeah. Like you heard that. Yeah. Like they got to get the ball to tie. So like the Celtics game, you can maybe throw out the window, but it has struck me a little bit that this team won their half court net ratings at least before the Celtics game were like pretty good on both ends but two just like how much they've been taken out of their identity so far has been interesting to me and the fact that they've had decent counters for that before today has also been interesting to me yeah well like when they get taken out of their pace it's like seems like that's definitely the team's like main focus and almost like going and getting guys like Bruce Brown and Obi Toppin they're like these guys want to play fast. It's almost like we show them exactly what we want to do. <laughs> so there like needs to be some like disguise element or like a bit more creativity on getting our action and getting what we want because it's just like just running straight forward into the wall doesn't apparently seem to be working because people will just slow it down. And uh, um, I don't know. I was thinking like every time we foul, we just stop the way the game is playing and let them set up their defense and get back. And it just is the exact opposite of we want. So, like, if we can not foul or just screw it, let them score. Like, don't even play <laughs> defense. Like, just like, here, take a two. Don't shoot this three. We're not going to foul you. And then just get back on offense really fast. We could maybe just outscore them and just say no more defense. Hey, everybody, have to take a little break to talk to you about the wonderful people over at FanDuel. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book, the NFL is rolling Colts stumbling but still fun games back tonight Steelers Titans it's all there on FanDuel right now new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet it's that simple you do a $5 money line bet you win boom that's 150 bucks if your team wins if you were thinking about joining FanDuel there's no better time than right now to get in on the action MLB World Series going on Football has gone on. NBA has started. It's the best time. The NHL is rolling. The app is easy to use. They have a wide range of betting options, including spreads, over-unders, and player props. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season over on FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. 
Yeah, they against the Wizards, they were taking it out of the net and then just sprinting down the floor immediately, right? And like we haven't yeah. seen that as much since then. Now the the Bulls are very uh, weird, as weird as the Bulls are. Like they lost the Mavs tonight; they didn't look very good. As weird as the Bulls are, they are very uniquely equipped to like control the pace against the Pacers because Caruso and Javon Carter are like the perfect like get in Halberton's face seventy five feet from the rim and just never get cooked by him, guys. Like he'll still score in a bunch and have a bunch of assists, but they're very well covered for that. But like the Cavs. Doing it as well as they did surprised me a little. I can't take much from the Celtics game, but Drew Holiday also very, very well yeah. equipped to do that to Albert. He was ready to do it if, if <laughs> Kyrie was there. Right. So uh, I think that like the Hornets don't have those guys. The Spurs don't really have those guys. We just saw the Cavs do it, though. We'll see if they can do it in Gamebridge or if Halbert even plays this weekend. But I have been surprised how much they've been slowed down. That's something, and then I guess negative if you're the Pacers, maybe positive in terms of growing as a team, though. Like Halbert said at the draft lottery, yo, we've got to be better. Like if we make the playoffs, we got to be better in the half court. Like every team mm-hmm. is good in the half court who's doing well, and we've got to be better in that way. So maybe that'll be a long term positive. Yeah. Another thing that's been interesting to me is before this game, <laughs> a lot of before this game stuff, uh, how well they were doing at the thing they said, taking away opponent threes, like top of the league in that. They were doing so well that the Celtics put it in their game notes. The Celtics sent out game notes after the game. It says the Celtics knocked down 23 pointers and shot 57.1% from beyond the arc. The Pacers entered tonight's game only allowing nine threes per game, which was the lowest in the NBA. So uh, it's only been four games. Now their numbers are going to look terrible. But they've done a good job of that specific adjustment, which is not something I expected from them, even though I think their defense has a lot of warts. Like they're installing some stuff that I think is important for them, which – is weird to say because they just got their butt totally kicked. Yeah. I think winning the like three-point battle is definitely a big one. Like definitely assist battle is something that they're gonna be focused on a lot. So yes. winning the three-point battle is gonna start on the defensive end, like first and foremost, because you can get stops out there and maybe a long rebound to an outlet or something, but like also quick plays, because a lot of times it'll be like someone's shooting really fast. So that is good, and I really want to see more of that. I would love to see like how Jarris Walker would help with that because he's like so defensively gifted and seeing him out on the perimeter on some guys out there, maybe we could see like an even bigger improvement on that. So I've brought this up before and he played well today. So I'll just ask it now, like related to this game. If you were the coach would Jarris be in your rotation? Um, I've tried to like do it a bunch of ways. I think he would be on my bench in the, in the second unit. Okay. Um, but then there are just so many like different factors. Like, if I were the coach, I'd be starting Buddy just because bench Buddy is the furthest thing from it. And like it almost feels like if he was starting, he'd be better, even though it might not be best for the team. So like I don't know. There's so many different ways that this team could like gel and like yes. go together that I'm I'm not too concerned like four games in that it might not be working right away. So I, I kind of have that. faith in Rick uh, that the lineups will kind of like come to him throughout the season. Of my preseason rotation predictions, like if you just switch which backup center it is, I'm pretty close, like on the minutes and who's playing with who, except for Jarris Walker. <laughs> I, yeah. I had him in and playing a decent amount as the backup forward. He's not playing at all. And everything else makes a lot of sense to me. And basically all those minutes have gone to Neesmith, excuse me, and some to Buddy Heald. Yeah, I, I would try to get him in there. It's hard though. I get it because clearly by the decisions they made, they're, they're thinking long-term, right? Nemhard's in over McConnell. Backup bigs are younger. Right? Like a lot of young guy decisions. Matherin's starting. He's younger than he'll. 
but at the same time, they're trying to win and they're doing a decent job of it. So mm-hmm. how they balance those things is tricky. I don't want to ha- rehash the rotation too much, but Jarris just played so well that I, I did want to bring it up again. And yeah. it up. What else has stood out to you about this season? Huh. The stadium has to be the most, uh, like the, the most impressive thing to me so far. Like, it's just, it looks so clean. The outside's so awesome. Um, but like team wise, I guess that's just kind of, wait, wait, can I, I want to do an arena thing. Oh yeah. One, the all-star signage just looks like cool (laughs) Two, There's if you haven't gone to a Pacers game yet and you live in Indian, you can, they have this new thing where there's like these blue and gold lights on like the railings and the pathways between the seats that go off every time. Like, I guess basically any basket. (laughs) I haven't really figured out if it's every basket or just threes, but it's sweet. It's really cool. Yeah. I was when I was I went to the first game just like with a group of friends and that was the first thing one of my friends said was like dude look at these lights on the handrails <laughs> and I was like whoa these things are awesome it threw me off because I thought it was just like uh like when they were doing the intros they were flashing I was like oh cool maybe it's just for the first game for the intros and stuff but they've had them both games now it's pretty cool anyway yeah. team wise actual basketball actual basketball I think I mean Jalen Smith has to be the most impressive thing so far for this season compared um, to expectations you mean compared yeah relatively <laughs> to expectations um. <laughs> Well, it's just like he's like I was kind of counting him out, but he really put on a ton of muscle. He looks huge, um, and like he's playing really well, and he's earning these minutes. Uh, I thought it was a toss up between him, Dice, or uh, Jackson for backup five. So I'm happy that he's really like, coming into that role. Um, hmm. I think could I do biggest like. I don't know if it's biggest disappointment, but like I guess disappointment wise, I would love to see like a dominant Mathurin like performance. Like it feels like he's just been a little off since being in the starting lineup. It's definitely harder for him to get his spot, like his mm-hmm. shots in the starting five. And the stuff they're teaching him and asking him to do will make him a better player, right? Move the ball, mm-hmm. make your decision right away. He likes to size things up right when he catches it and then attack. And that usually means go left and try to get to the rim. So he's trying to make that read like before he catches the ball and you can see that evolution, but it's a lot harder. I think when he's playing with Halberton for him to be that guy and that's fine. Yeah. That's important to the Pacers long-term to figure out what he is next to Halberton, which is why Buddy Hield isn't starting. But yeah, you have like, I thought for a little bit, maybe the injury happened too early for this to happen. I thought for a little bit in the second half of the Bulls game, it was going to be that half, right? He had a couple drives, even after he rammed his head into the stanchion where he was God. getting fouled and getting by guys, I was like, man, this is like this looks like the early Mathern from last year, but hasn't been there all the time, certainly. And I think that's the pro I don't think that's on him. I think that's the product mm-hmm. of the lineup he's a part of and what they're how they're asking him to play. Uh, and I'll be curious how he kind of figures out where his spots are throughout the season. Mm-hmm. And I will say totally yeah. agreed. <laughs> he's been yeah. great. I even I, I had him out behind Jackson too. And I said on my show after the Bulls game, like he's played so well that he could have like three or four bad games in a row, and I'm like, yeah, he still he still should be the back of five. Like, he's yeah. Well. <laughs> what is uh, what's your biggest uh, impression so far from this season? You know, I they're just still young to me. Like, I know that's hard to kind of wrap your head around because they're trying to be good and they want to be good, and because Halberton is so good, they are mostly good. But like Matherin and Toppin and Nemhard and Halberton and Neesmith and their backup five, that's two thirds of their rotation, less than four years of NBA experience. Like they're very young. They make, they do a lot of young team stuff, right? Like they foul a lot. 
they get too set on a certain shot or certain style in a possession or they're defending poorly and reading the game too slow on the end of the floor. Like they're still playing like a young team that has the talent to be good. And so they, that kind of makes them inconsistent, right? And that doesn't surprise me. Um, but I think that's been my impression is that they're playing a little, even though they're good and I think they're a better team than last year, they're playing younger than I thought they would out of the gate. Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah. I definitely it's think it's boring answer. They're definitely, yeah, <laughs> they are young. Young team is young, Jack. So. Yeah. Breaking news. <laughs> they are yeah, getting older uh, with each passing day though. So that is good. Yeah. If only that's how it worked every day, you got that much better. Every you just day, pick up a piece of basketball knowledge, Ooh, <laughs> piece of basketball. knowledge. <laughs> if only it was that easy. Um, so that's, I guess that's been my takeaway so far because like I predicted 39 wins of their, their scheduled games. That's 40. If you include, I guess the playing games, like mm-hmm. it's like four wins better than last year. It's not like that much better of a team, but you, you know, I guess this game you could toss out without Halliburton. So they've been, and they were two and one in the other two games and we're one quarter away from undefeated. So like maybe I'm being too harsh on the inconsistencies throughout a game, but they have, they, they, the wizards game, they were dominant and they haven't had like a dominant stretch since. And I think that yeah. would, kind of make me feel better about them having like, oh, this is their fastball against a good team, if that yeah. makes sense. We need to get Jordan Poole on more defenses. We play. <laughs> That'll help. <laughs> yes, that would help. Like Halliburton at the end of the Cavs game was like, oh, yeah, okay. Like this is, uh, you know, him, yeah. he's, he's the guy that this is their fastball. But yeah. he, he even well, said like he feels like he's coasting at times. This easy doesn't know why he's trying to figure it out. Like, that's I think that's right. And if he figures it out, that's great. I think that would help the Pacers kind of evolve from what I just said. So mm-hmm. we'll see. They have if Halberton's out for multiple games, <laughs> this is the time for it yeah. on their schedule. <laughs> they can if they can get out of it at 500 or maybe one or game under or over before he returns. Again, I have no idea how severe his ankle is. That would be uh, great news for them. Yeah. Gosh, I would love for him to be back as soon as possible, especially for the end season tournament the baby blue court won't look as good without him out there. Is that your official color name choice? Mm, I don't know. You could go a lot with the light blue. I told you what my color is, right? Yeah. Cerulean. Cerulean. <laughs> going with Cerulean. Uh, <laughs> Dustin Doperic going with Aquamarine. I think that's pretty good. Hmm. I know. It's like too light to be a cyan, but I don't I mean, know. You're the Maybe art guy. Like, you should have all the colors like ready to go. Yeah, well, color theory was never my stuff. <laughs> I just like to throw stuff at the wall. Oh, yeah. It's a whole class. What? Color theory. The mixing of all of the colors. It's an important <laughs> thing not, for artists. This, this is not worth the basketball. No, it is not. <laughs> I am personally curious about this. but uh, the yeah, I'll bring I'll bring a book for you for the, uh, the next game. <laughs> we need. I'll bring the Home Depot app and point it at the court so it like gives oh. you like the three closest paint options. And then I'll yeah. It's just going to say, like, light blue. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it'll be, like, light blue number 0059, and then you go to Home Depot and you go find it. It's called, yeah. like, something you, hilarious. You can get one in your basement. You get your own court down there. Oh, yeah. That's a, let's get all the <laughs> terrible ideas out of the way first, and then we can yes. roll on with the good ones. Uh, okay, I'm going to get it right. Jack, there we go. Thank you for the time. Yes, thanks for having you me. And your work covering the Pacers for, what would you say, 10, 15 home games this year? Yep. Right around that, and IU basketball as well. That's right. The Mighty Hoos. Hoos. On Nouveau, right? On Nouveau. 
Jack's first game story from Pacers Bulls is up. Plus more. We'll be back tomorrow with Chris Manning talking Pacers Cavs and everything you know about the in-season tournament. I've already explained it once, but it definitely requires explaining again because there's pool play and there's a quarterfinals and a semifinals and a finals and there's prize money based on how far you get and there's home and away games and you can be a wildcard team or not a wildcard team. And there's your regular season games, except for one of them is not a regular season game. And you can make the quarterfinals without winning a group, but winning your group definitely helps you make the quarterfinals. And it's still East versus West. You got all that? We'll talk about it more tomorrow. Thank you all for listening today. Have a good one. We'll see you soon.